Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Handy Slap Show. I am your host, the, the Reverend Jordan Schrader. And today we are going to talk about the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and who we are when God calls us. Coming right up on Handy Slapped. All right, everyone, it's so good to be back with y'all. Today is Thursday, September 16th, 2021. And I'm going to be honest, I was thinking a lot about how to go into this episode of Handy Schlapped and just what I wanted to discuss, what I wanted to share, the ideas I wanted to dialogue with y'all and just the different topics going on to my mind. And, you know, life is very convoluted and confusing most of the time if not all the time so I just you know just want to think about with y'all the last 20 years of American history and the um, the history of our culture and the different social structures and all the social dynamics that have changed throughout the 20 years since September 11th 2001 and how we understand ourselves, how we understand each other, how we understand God, how we understand the government, trusting the government, um, governmental secrets, all those kinds of things where we really have entered a time of insecurity, you know, like national insecurity. Um, that feeling of where our pride is gone, we are left completely vulnerable. And I was watching that new documentary, a five-episode uh, docu-series, Turning Point, which is all about the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the events leading up to 9-11, and how the war on terrorism evolved before 9-11, during 9-11, and after 9-11. And so it's such a good series. If you can watch it on Netflix, it's called Turning Point. I highly recommend it. You really see all the intricacies and strategies and just the story of going on um, that we were all enveloped in, but we didn't notice at the time. You know, this is one of the points they bring up is that at that point in American culture, we were just so distracted in the late 90s by what was going on in our own little American bubble. Our society, our society, our materialism and all of that. And our own governmental and presidential scandals going on in the late 90s and how that so preoccupied us into the cliche that we think America is the only place in the world that matters, that um, the idea of American exceptionalism is all that matters compared to the rest of the world, how there's all this conflict and all these turning points and all these choices and decisions and this events going on in the world and how we're so oblivious and ignorant of it, unless you really pay attention um, how this one episode, um, an Afghan soldier, a military, a U.S. military soldier in Afghanistan was talking about 
how he made a phone call to his home and he was talking to them and they were saying, oh yeah, um, his family was saying, I'm doing fine or we're about to go partying. And it's that example of the ignorance um, behind the curtain where we are in America that we don't see or even think about or consider, nor are we courteous of what's really going on in all of these conflicts that our soldiers are fighting. And so now I just want to reflect a little bit on how the events of 9-11, again, not only changed the world and our country, but changed who we are as people, collectively and individually. And so I guess it comes down to the question of, you know, just like they did with the JFK assassination, where were you on 9-11? You know, I guess it's appropriate to ask that question now that it's been 20 years and um, I'm a youngster, I'm a, I'm a baby. So I was, I had just turned eight years old that summer of 2001. And I know this, like Forrest Gump says, it's amazing how some things you can recollect and some things you can't. You know, I remember the morning of 9-11 in pieces, but the pieces I remember vividly with the details. So, um, for some reason, I didn't have homeschool that morning. Um, I was homeschooled up until third grade. And so I was in the second grade at this time, in theory. So um, I was still homeschooled. I can't remember if I was supposed to be homeschooled that day. Apparently I wasn't, or if my tutor canceled. But anyway, I did not have my schooling that morning. I remember I was laying in my dining room doorway that connects to my kitchen. I was laying right there on the floor. My mom had just finished getting me dressed for us to go out that morning. And we had not yet turned on the TV. We had not yet listened to the radio. We hadn't heard anything yet until we were about to get ready to go, my mom and I. And my dad comes running inside from outside working on the farm. He walks upstairs, walks into um, where I am in the archway by the kitchen, excuse me, and the dining room. He walks over me and goes, I just heard something terrible happened in New York, which I assume was from his brother telling him that outside on working on the farm. So he runs in my living room, turns on the television, and boom, there it is. The live shots of Manhattan. But by this point, it was just all uh, dust and smoke. Uh, the, the towers had already collapsed by this point. It was like 9.30, 10 o'clock uh, Central Standard Time. And so at that point, you know, uh, that's all I see on the TV. And my dad comes back and grabs me and brings me in the room to show me the TV. And that's all I see is all this uh, smoke on the TV, just all the dust and all everything of after the collapse of the towers. I'm eight years old. I'm clueless of 
um, foreign affairs. I'm I'm clueless of uh, politics and all that. I have no idea what's happening. I don't know any of that stuff. I was just a homeschooled disabled boy who was clueless to those type of things in the world. You know, it was at that point where the younger, no, the older millennials, especially, because I'm an older millennial, because I've been around at that time, uh, but I was still, still kind of a baby. So, at that point, being a millennial, this was our JFK. In other words, this was our big major news story that we not only just kind of remember individually, excuse me, but it's collectively burned into our brains that we experienced all at once. We were talking about all at once for weeks and weeks, um, whether it was at school or at churches or with our social circles, wherever. Um, it was all about that. It was nonstop uh, fear mongering and the nonstop insecurity, just the nonstop everything. I just remember all the vibrations and the emotions going through everybody and how to understand it. You know, again, I didn't understand what was going on at the time until my dad and other people explained it to me. Uh, but so. My mom and I, we still go out and run our errands. And um, kind of what I remember specifically is we went to a Blockbuster that morning because of course we did. So we get the Blockbuster and my mom gets me in my little uh, wheelchair at the time, my little red wheelchair and uh, pushes me inside. The store is empty if not close to empty other than one of our favorite employees Heidi was working there at the time and I remember my mom pushing me past the counter facing kind of the back wall but still close to the counter and my mom and this employee of Blockbuster just greet each other and they just hug each other for the longest time it was all on the TVs um, in the store if you remember Blockbuster they had all the TVs around the store up on the ceiling, and um, so I remember that that's what was on there. And I think that's when it kind of sunk in, like, okay, this is different. This is a a different kind of scary fear and sadness that I have not faced yet before. Something different besides all that. I just haven't yet understood. You know, it was a very weird time to be, not just anyone, but it was a very weird time to be a little kid to under, to try to understand the collective uh, grieving that was going on with everyone, literally everyone around you because everyone experienced it in similar yet different ways. You know, it was at that point where your whole perspective on who we are changed. What does it mean to feel safe, to feel vulnerable, 
you know, we were at that point where we just crossed the line of we are in America, we are safe, we are powerful, we are amazing, and then all of that pride is completely shattered by the devastation of 9-11 and how we understand terrorism and how we understand our enemies and just how we understood ourselves. God, it was such a weird time to digest. I remember nothing but seeing all the news reports day in, day out, all the live um, videos, the raw footage from all the different news outlets um, from the days going by of this uh, gathering people's video footage of running away from the cloud of dust uh, coming from all the towers collapsing, running inside stores and businesses, and just watching the blackness go across the streets throughout all the area. And we just subconsciously knew that because our parents and loved ones were so obsessively watching all this and everyone was talking about it. Everyone was talking about the World Trade Center, airplanes, terrorism. That's where we, a lot of us learned of the word hijacking. And watching almost 3,000 people die right in front of us on camera, on all the televisions, right before our eyes, that's going to trigger something subconsciously. That's something you do not forget. Like, yeah, we hear the phrase, never forget. But in a different sense, that's something your brain cannot unsee. It also explains a lot of the generational understanding of the world and the understanding of culture, society, how we understand um, existentialism, humanitarianism, you know, how we understand religion, how we understand the philosophy of good versus evil. All of that changed and while we watched the towers go down while we're watching the updates of the crashing of United 93 or the, the Pentagon being hit by Flight 77. Just how that collective moment built up the collective trauma. The first feeling of what trauma was, where it's so darn confusing and jeopardizing in the moment. We have no idea what's going on, only to enter the true collective grieving process. I just remember going to uh, church services on Wednesday night. I had like a, what's called uh, Royal Rangers, which is like a church Boy Scouts, just talking with uh, my friends there and talking with the other kids, the older kids, our teachers, and all that, just talking about the aftermath 
of 9-11. Like, this was big, obviously. But for a little kid, this is world-changing in so many ways. We just didn't understand yet the magnitude of this. So, like, I understood a little bit. Again, watching the reports, reading the magazines that were coming out on the World Trade Center, uh, just learning about what terrorism was and all of us learning the keywords of um, most wanted, learning Osama bin Laden more. We knew about him before, but, like, I don't want to say it like this, but this is kind of how... terrorism and Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda how I mean for lack of a better phrase they became like household names and you know kind of going back to watching three almost 3,000 people be killed live right in front of us that really affected how we understand things because it shows how that that time, that was when the world just stopped making sense. The idea of absolute truth, the idea of protection, and just absolutism in general. That whole feeling just gone. Because like us as the millennials especially, that's when we just stopped trusting. That's where we stopped feeling secure and safe. And that's when the sprout of collective anxiety truly began in all of us. And so we go around thinking, how do we make sense of all this? We were always taught that we were served and protected and truth, justice in the American way. We were always taught all of that growing up, especially going through the 90s where we went to an economic boom and uh, people were getting happy. Business was on the rise and all of that. And then all of a sudden, the true moment that began the 21st century that would be a much different world than the one we were born into. And so that comes with the question of, like, who are we? And what do we do about the things we're called to do? You watch the 9-11 footage, you watch all of the first responders, or I believe it was 403 first responders that were killed that day. 403, and then... We think about all the excuses that we make when we are called to do the call of duty. You look in the Bible and you see all the different people that were called for, by God to fulfill his mission, to do his rescuing, to go out and share God's word with the people whom God has called. 
But what do we do oftentimes when we are put on the spot by God himself? We make excuses. Excuses that we don't want to do anything. That we don't feel adequate or qualified to fulfill what God has called us to do. And it comes into this whole discussion of, okay, who am I to fulfill what you want me to do, God? Who am I to do what you direct me to do? I can't do what you want me to do. We got people like Moses who was called to lead his people out of bondage from Egypt. The thing with Moses is, while he may have had hidden leadership qualities that were yet to be unleashed, you could barely understand some things that he would say because of his problems with speech and public speaking. He felt he was inadequate to lead the people just out of that because of his, well, his disability. And then you got people like Jonah, who was called to bring salvation to the Ninevites. Jonah despised those people. That sounds a lot like us, where if God calls us to bring the gospel to our enemies, the people that disagree with us, the people who we feel rightful to judge according to our own wills, who we see as unworthy, Yet God still calls us out to help them and save them. Oftentimes, what do we do? In flight or flight, we run. So how can we understand that it's not about the excuses or how do we understand who we are in God? When we look at the people in Jesus' own bloodline, you read Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, before his birth, you read all kinds of dirty, horrible, disgusting people, especially by today's standards, that are, have no business being in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Yet they, they are, because God works through the filth to bring out life, to bring out the light and salvation. Oftentimes they all feel not good enough, and that's okay, because God calls those who the world sees as unfit. And so it comes to this where... You see things like 9-11, and you see the horror that exists in the world, and think, how can God allow such a thing? Well, we see all kinds of stuff like that throughout Scripture. When sin came into the world, so did death. So did anarchy. So did terrorism. So did violence. So did war, famine, pestilence. All of it was brought into this world. 
Yeah, even the people God calls who are still filthy, sinful people. Like, look at David. He was the pre-Messianic figure. The King David, who also had an affair and had the woman he lusted after, her husband, to be killed in the line of battle just so he could have her. And even then, God still had to step in and bring the consequences of that sin. Even though David was in a very, a very important figure and one of the great chosen for God's mission, that doesn't mean we go without consequences. And so we just see what's going on in the world and who am I? How can I help to get over ourselves? To not let our disabilities stop us. To not let our anxieties hold us back. And to say, God, here I am. Send me. I think about all that and just where I was, 9-11, where my family was. My sisters were in school. We talked about it when they came home. And just everything that was happening in the world at that time. How... At that time, I've never seen America so united than on September 12th and beyond during that time. Like, you couldn't believe that form of unity. It was almost on par of that of the victory in World War II. It's that big boost of patriotism, the big boost of the love of humanity and loving your neighbor that came about. It's those, one of those things where it's tragedy that brings out not only the worst in people, but even more so brings out the best in people. And that's how God works, how through all of our sin, Throughout all of our hatefulness towards ourselves and irregard for each other that we may have, just love each other, bring each other to faith in a godly, biblical way, share Jesus with those who need it, but in a gentle, loving way. Don't let your pride or your ignorance stumble you and come up behind your back and take you unguarded. Let the Holy Spirit be with you and to help you and to keep you. I pray right now for everyone that are listening to this podcast. Let the Holy Spirit be with you all. Be with all your families. Be with your health. Let, let God protect you against the evils of this world so that you may not stumble. And if you do, that the Holy Spirit would catch you. I pray over this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you all for listening to this episode of Handy Schlapped. God bless you. Always take care. And, of course, always stay safe. See you in the next one.